0: Well, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to episode number 134 of Starting the Conversation. I'm your host, Alice Benham, here with this week's co-host, Anna. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello, and thank you very much for having me.
0: This podcast is actually a part
1: two, isn't it? We're doing a a double-decker, as you might say. Yeah, amazing. So just now on my podcast, which is called The Freelance Fix, we've been talking about kind of failure in business and non-linear business journey kind of stuff. And then I think we're going to be talking about financials here. We so are go and check that out. Part one is over on my podcast. Yes, so they can search the freelance fix
0: or i'll link it in the show notes and hey they just got a bit of a taste of the conversation started to come in this episode so it's going to be a good one but let's kick ourselves off with a little bit of high low so as usual let's start with our lows so we can end on a high do you want to kick us off you can go business personal super like impressive super surface level
1: take the wheel Well, I think I can probably speak for both of us that the low this week in the UK, at least, is that we've just been told that we have to have another national lockdown, which is very disappointing. I kind of had, you know, got some nice plans to go and stay somewhere for a weekend and go to restaurants and stuff. But now we're not able to do that. And I know 100% like other countries have been having this problem for a lot longer. So, yeah, I know it sounds very privileged to be moaning about that probably right now but that's obviously a low point for me at least this week what about you
0: yeah I would definitely echo that one however I have mentioned that in last week's episode so I won't bore people with more of my (laughs) more of my lockdown woes but 100% with you on that one mine is connected to us being in another round of lockdown which is that I suddenly feel very stressed about how and when I'm going to be able to get my Christmas tree Now, I appreciate this is the most first world problem you've ever come across, but you know what? I'm going to own it because it's my first year, you know, living by myself, having my own house. I do want to go all in on the Christmas decorations. I think, you know, this year especially, we need something to keep us joyful. And, you know, I'm just a bit worried. Am I going to be able to go and buy a tree? Should I go down the fake route? When should I order it? I just feel like- I haven't
1: even thought about this. Right? You're stressing me out now. I need to okay, expect my new low.
0: Boris Johnson's announcement did not include how this impacts Christmas tree shopping. And I just really think he's missed a trick
1: there. So when do you normally put yours up? Like when have you traditionally done that with your family? I think my family did something to do with that either the last weekend
0: in November or the first um, weekend in December. I think it was yeah. the latter, but I'm
1: tempted to go November with my tree because I just think, yeah. I don't know, bring the joy We in. need it. Yeah, why not? I mean, my mum has always been like, she loves Christmas, but she's been very much of a realist. Like I'm not putting my tree up until it's like a week before Christmas. So we always had kind of that buffer with us. But since I've lived on my own, I've always done it on literally December the 1st or mm-hmm. that first weekend. And I hadn't even thought about this I wanted to get some new decorations too and I do have a
0: fake tree though so at least I've got that Yeah, set up the tree well this is your warning Anna it's midday you have 12 hours left before we're going <laughs> lockdown find all the Christmas shops you can <laughs>
1: go buy oh my gosh camels. What what are your thoughts on fake versus real then? Have you kind of decided either way? Well, I've always been
0: such an advocate for real. And I was really horrified the year that my family bought a fake tree, which I think was a couple of years ago. But I can now understand the appeal. You know, Mm. I've lived by myself. So, and I don't want to make an awful sorry for me here, but I think going to buy a tree (laughs) on your own and doing the whole process, and then putting it up, like, it's just not that fun, I think, when it's just you. That's true. I can imagine when you've got a partner, or it's a family, like, that's a fun little tradition, it just sounds like a lot of effort, and then I'm thinking, well, I'm away in December with work, and then I'm going to go home, home for Christmas, so it's probably just going to drop its needles everywhere, and I'll pay a lot of money to maybe have it for about two weeks, so I think I'm leaning towards the fake and not even just fake, but fake and
1: pre-lit for ultimate <laughs> no. Convenience. I did not, I'm not going to lie. I did not realize that was a thing, but I love that. You know, got to save time where you can as a business owner. So yeah. Honestly, totally I'm pursuing that. efficiency in every corner of my life
0: and the Christmas tree <laughs> is, is not um, getting to avoid that treatment. So yeah, hopefully I've That's prompted amazing. everyone else now to think about their Christmas trees. What are you going to do? When are you going to get it? Exactly. Not to be stressed, but you know, good to think of these things. I'm so am stressed now. On to,
1: Well, let's fix the stress. Onto the high. What would yours be? Well, interestingly, this week I have been working on setting up a funnel. And I know that you hate the word funnel because I listened to your podcast the other day with your Facebook ads expert. And you were talking about how you hate the word funnel, but it kind of excites me. I'm one of those people. So I've been setting up a funnel basically to have people watch a pre-recorded kind of video training and then potentially encourage them to purchase a collection of my courses and the technology for it is it's amazing but it's very very difficult and very complicated so my high this week was actually getting it set up and seeing it working so yeah geeky one but I love that technology so I
0: love that though there's something very satisfying isn't there about putting in all of the work to make something happen and then you step back and go I have created a machine it is done. exactly and then all you get the cogwheels the turning. Yeah and then you get the joy and the benefits of it being delivered and the impact coming back to your business which is the best part.
1: Yeah, I've already had such nice feedback about it as well so yeah it's all it's all making me feel good and to be honest it's just the relief of getting it out the way because it took so long and I was really dreading doing it. So the actual doing it wasn't the high, but the having it complete and my sense of relief right now is definitely the high. So yeah. I love that.
0: It was worth it for the end feeling. Yeah, amazing. My high would probably have to be, and I think this links back, I think my lower couple of weeks ago on the podcast was flipping heck, we've only got how many weeks left of the year. Mm. I don't know how I'm going to get everything done. But I think both because I've had a bit of time to probably map out you know, the final few weeks of the year. And because this lockdown has come in and suddenly given me less interesting things to do in life and therefore more time to work, <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good about the rest of the year. feel like the end is in sight. All of my projects seem to be Very much touch wood right now. Maps out in terms of timelines. I don't think I've overcommitted. I think I'm just on the (laughs) brink of like, if I needed to do more, I might break. But we've just about scheduled everything in. So yeah, I'm I'm now feeling good and excited about the rest of the year. I'm kind of ready to finish 2020 strong and then yeah, have a bit of a break before trying to think about what 2021
1: is going to hold. Yeah, amazing. Well, I mean, I did take a little bit of time saying to myself like, oh my god, the remainder of the year is only x amount of days have I done everything that I wanted and kind of panicking about that because I'll admit I fully haven't achieved all of the goals I wanted to do this year but I think just having this new lockdown come in I've decided to just be a lot kinder to myself and be like no it's okay that I haven't maybe achieved all the things that I wanted to do this year next year's another year we've got this we're gonna smash the rest of this year so I'm feeling much better in my mindset now after giving myself a good talking to. So yeah.
0: I was definitely the same. I did have that freak out and then you've got to just kind of talk yourself through it. And I think take it chunk by chunk, right? Like if this years taught us anything, you don't really know what's coming next. And I found myself a little bit freaked out when I try and imagine what 2021 is going to hold. So right now I'm just thinking, let's finish this year, finish this one, and then we'll get to have that conversation and look at that. And there's always the way, isn't it? When you have a bit of a Christmas break and you've had a bit of time off work, that's kind of when the ideas and the plans
1: often click into place. So I'm I'm betting on that happening, which is... Yeah, I'm hoping okay. too as well. I mean, I love that. I love the feeling of Christmas break. You've had like so much to eat. You've out-socialed yourself. Although, I mean, who knows how social we can really be this year. But you've out-socialed yourself. You're kind of just lying around. And then you reach that point where you feel... A little bit bored and you're like actually now I want to do some work or I want to do some planning and I just love that feeling of your body or your mind actually telling you know I'm ready now to get back into it and make some plans of it. mm. it's that weird bit between Christmas
0: and New Year where you kind mm. of don't really know what day it is you don't really know what you do with your life and it's just bliss I'm I'm looking forward computer. to it It's gonna be good. So let's get into today's conversation starter, because this is one which I feel like I could talk about all day, and I know is something that people will find so relatable and so interesting. Finances as a topic is always something that goes down well on this podcast or in my other content. And I think that's really because it's such a big part of running a business and being a human, but it's something that we don't talk about very much, and we very rarely open up this conversation. I know when I started my business, I was craving someone to just talk honestly about the financial side of things and, I couldn't find any of that, which is why I'm so glad that we're sitting down today and discussing, you know, really honestly, what our finances have looked like in our businesses. So let's get into our financial fails, which I know for <laughs> both of us have been in there plenty. But if people have listened to the podcast episode we did on your podcast, we'll know that failure isn't a bad thing. It's always teaching you a lesson. So let's start at the start. Anna, how did you find setting up the financial side of your business when you first started? Like those very, very early
1: days. What was that like for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I have to say, first off, that I do feel very lucky and privileged that my dad did run a business himself. So he was like very experienced around kind of the admin and financial side of things, which I would say was a massive help. It was a small help because he was very open about talking about it with me, but it wasn't a massive help because I didn't help myself. And I just basically ignored everything that he said. And I just wasn't very good at listening to advice. I didn't care. I wanted to bury my head in the sand with it. I didn't really want to know about the financial side. I just wanted to be self-employed, work for myself, make some money. Maybe that was going to be a bonus of it, but I really didn't care and I wasn't interested, which is a massive fail on my part because the advice was there and being willing to give, but I just wasn't ready to take it. And I did at the time, my ex-partner at the time, his mum was an accountant as well. So I had advice coming at me from all sides, but I've never been a numbers person. I've never, I was never that good at maths. I've always really struggled with it. And so when people were trying to talk numbers at me and how I should set up my business, what structure it should be, or how to you know manage taxes, stuff like that. I just pretended to listen, but realistically, I just buried my head in the sand with it. So I found it stressful from my own kind of mental side of things, but it's really my own fault because the people around me were trying to help. Obviously, I started out as a sole trader. And had kind of a personal bank account that I then set up a separate personal bank account, just like a normal current account to manage my finances in there. But I didn't start setting up anything in terms of savings for taxes. I didn't do that to get started because I didn't know that's what I would need to do. Because in all honesty, I didn't think that I would make enough money in that first year to need to pay taxes. So I thought I wouldn't have to worry about it. So I started very haphazardly and yeah, not listening to the support that I should have done. And that kind of ended up in getting me into quite a big mess with my taxes. And I'm sure I think I've heard you talk about your story with that as well. So I'm sure we can relate.
0: (laughs) Yes, I was just nodding the whole way through you speaking there because I completely resonate that first year of business, that idea of Having your head in the sand with it was so true. I think, you know, we don't know running a business just because, you know, say the delivery side of it, you know, that you can help people with this certain topic and that's your service. You know, the finances of a business is not something that's necessarily naturally there. And I think same as you, you know, the information was around me, but I'm definitely the kind of person where I have to learn by doing. And for a lot of topics, that's okay. With finances, that's a bit of a harder one to learn by mistake because financial mistakes can be quite detrimental or at least just a little bit more serious than you know other mistakes or failures that you might have in business. So exact same situation as you, didn't really understand anything about tax or what actually any of that meant, didn't really get The relationship I was meant to have with my finances in terms of them being separate. So it was just a big old mess. You know, it was one bank account, all the business's money was coming in, my personal money and my business expenses were coming out. Everything was everything. And I didn't save for tax. And similar to you, got myself into a very sticky situation where suddenly I owed, I can't remember how many thousands it was, but a good few. And I didn't have that money. And even then, I still didn't tell anyone or ask for help. I think because money is such a taboo topic and I hadn't ever felt the permission to talk about financial fails or ask other people if they'd been in the same position, I felt really shameful about it. So I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my family. I just hoped it would go away And I think that's why financial fails are a little bit more serious because they don't just go away. They get bigger and worse. So the letters were more frequent and the interest added was more. And I think for me, it reached a breaking point where I was like, I need to admit that I don't know what I'm doing here. And I've got to just face this head on and kind of rip that bandaid off. And I remember telling my dad and then very privileged situation, you know, my parents being able to help me out with that money that I can then pay back afterwards, But yeah, I would definitely say, same as you, that first year was a lot of learning on the go, which I'm grateful for
1: now, but at the time, yeah, it was not a pretty situation. Exactly, and I absolutely loved, because I think you shared, it was a couple of years ago, or maybe last year on your podcast, and you shared like a full episode about it and about how you just, you had this tax bill and you couldn't pay it and then you ended up letting it go on. And I loved listening to it because I was just like, do you know what? I wish I had heard that when I got into my situation with it, which I hadn't saved for tax. Luckily, luckily, I did have other savings that I was able to use to pay for it. I think my tax bill was, it was like £4,000 and I hadn't been expecting it at all. I didn't really understand how taxes worked. And I honestly, I didn't actually know how much money I'd made that year because. I literally just didn't look at my bank accounts. I didn't care. I obviously sent out invoices and knew that they got paid, but I didn't track my money. I didn't track my expenses. I just thought, I can't be making enough money to actually pay any taxes. Surely not. And then it came around, I do actually use an accountant to do my actual tax returns, which I'm very, very thankful for. And at the time she was doing my bookkeeping and everything for me. So, and this is part of the problem that I'll talk about in a minute, that I just didn't have, I didn't need any visibility of my finances because Mm. I was just chucking it at someone who was doing it for me. And I, again, very privileged. I wasn't actually paying her. She was my ex-partner's mum, And also I was running her website design because that's, you know, the services that I offer. So we were doing a service exchange And all I would do was just chuck everything at her, and then she would do it for me. So I didn't actually need the visibility of it. Well, I didn't think I needed the visibility of it. And so I wasn't aware of what was happening in my own business. And then when it did come around to the time when I had to actually look at my tax bill, I was like, oh, my God, I did not realize that this was going to happen. That's such a huge amount. And again, thankfully, I did have other savings that I had previously that I was able to pay out of that but it was very depressing paying for it and I wish that I had a kind of um had the visibility of my finances before and understood that I was going to have to save something towards that each month and you know all that money that I was making that year it wasn't all mine I did have to give some of it up but I had you know been spending it as if it was mine and not for the tax man and b I just wish that I had heard other stories of other people having this problem because I felt so embarrassed I was like wow I really really should have known what was going on so when i heard your podcast episode about yours and how then you buried your head in the sand even further I was like I could not relate to this anymore like it's so perfect because I would have done if I hadn't been able to pay it with my own savings I would have done the exact same thing and probably just ignored it and I've met other people since who have had similar things of if- getting tax bills and literally just leaving them unopened because it's such a stress and a fear for people who, you know, finances aren't, don't come naturally to you. So it builds up and up and becomes this massive thing that you then just can't deal with. And you just rather shove it into a cupboard and forget that's it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so true. And I think the more separated from and unaware of your finances, you are, and you feel the harder it's going to be to, you know, manage the financial side of your business, like you said, you know you you tick the box of having an accountant, some people might look at that and go, "Oh, that means you've got good finances, but for you, that created a separation between you and your money, which wasn't helpful and and didn't allow exactly. you to manage your money in a good way, and that's definitely been true for me, you know, the more aware I am of my financial situation, even if it's not a massively positive one the better my relationship with it is, because then the more informed decisions you can make. I have definitely had to learn over the years, You know, money isn't one of those things where the more you ignore it, the more it goes away. Actually, the more you ignore it, the worse that it gets. And it was Ellie from This Girl Talks Money. I'll link the podcast episode below. When she came on the podcast, she talked about this idea of sitting down to have a coffee date with your finances and really just having that moment where you're like, okay, I can't ignore this any longer. I need to just come to terms with where I'm at. Let's look at everything. But having that moment where you go, okay, let's just admit what this situation is because you can't move forward with your finances. You can't build that good relationship with it where you're making informed decisions and you feel in control and you don't have surprise tax bills without first being aware of your starting point. For me, that was definitely the case. You know, it was a a few months actually of, Slowly separating my business and my personal finances so I could actually see how much money my business had and how much money I had personally using a bank account like Starling, where it's not taking three days for a payment to come through, but I'm instantly seeing how much is in my bank and I'm getting real time reports on what I'm spending and what I owe. I think the closer you can make your finances to you, the easier it's going to be to have that relationship with it. Because if you make it so that it's easy to ignore your financial situation, you will do that. And that doesn't help anyone. And that I think it sounds like for both of us is where a lot of those issues stemmed from. So making it part of your routine and making it something that you regularly do. You know, I love now logging into my bank and looking at the numbers, not because there's necessarily tons of money always in there, but because I know there's a direct correlation between the more aware I am of my financial situation, the better that it gets, because then- the better decisions that I can make. But I don't know about you, Anna, but for me, that wasn't an overnight thing. That was probably a year yeah. of going, okay, we are in a mess. Let's figure this out. To, okay, <laughs> we're now in a place where that feels better. And I yeah. think that for me was probably, I'd say probably up until this year was when I had that really bad relationship with it. And even this year has been a case of, of really getting to a good place with
1: money. It's not always been this way. It takes time. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, so obviously I had that, that tax bill and I was still kind of panicking about it. I was still like, Oh my God, this, in fact, it made me more scared of looking at my finances and even more. So I was like, okay, my accountant, you can just take all this. I'm so scared. Like, just tell me what I need to do and then I'll do it. And I still didn't kind of take full control of it until I think it was probably about a year after that. And in between all of that time as well, I'd been advised to become a limited company in between that time because you know tax efficiency at the time was slightly different to how it is now and uh, because I was making a certain amount at that time. Um, So I was a limited company. And then as we kind of spoke about on part one of this episode over on my podcast, I then took about a year and a half semi off from my business or I was just you know majorly minimizing the amount of work that I was doing I was kind of stressed I was definitely having some you know mental health issues at the time that I just needed to take a break from work and so I wasn't then making enough money for that to be worthwhile for me to be a limited company but also that whole thing I just was burying my head in the sand even more with it because I didn't want to think about my business. I definitely didn't want to think about my finances. So then it just snowballed and got worse and worse for about a year. And at one point, like you said, it just got to the point where I was like, Do you know what? I've got no money. I've literally got no money to spend. I'm going to have to be really honest with my new partner. And I just sat down and I said, look, I have got myself into this situation where I have no idea what the finances of my business are doing but they're not doing well because i have no money right now and Mm. i need to a potentially borrow some money from either you or my parents and again very privileged that i was able to do that for a couple of months there was this whole thing with i had bought a house with my ex-partner and that had to sell in order to free up some money so there was a whole other thing going on in the background that was very stressful And that meant that I just had no capital, no cash available to just pay for general things. So I had to get really honest, have a really real conversation about potentially borrowing money. And then obviously from that then came, right, I've admitted to myself now that this isn't working. I need to A, figure out what I'm going to do with my business to get back on track and start growing again and make a sustainable income. And B, I need to have, more control and visibility over what is actually happening. So I went back to my accountant and I said, right, I just need you to strike off my company. And I want to be a sole trader again. So I'd gone from sole trader to limited. And then I wanted to just be a sole trader, self-employed person again. And one of the main reasons was my best friend, Olivia, she is also a sole trader. And she sat down with me one of these days that was just after I'd spoken to my partner because I was really upset and I was like, I've just had to have this really stressful conversation. And I've just admitted to myself that basically I'm failing, quite unquote, failing, and I need to borrow money and I'm in a really sticky situation. So she took the time to actually sit down with me and I'm so grateful for her for doing that. And she showed me through her QuickBooks account, which is a bookkeeping software for sole traders, and it made so much sense when she explained it to me because she is not a mathematical person either. She is, I think she's got like this or something like that, where she is not mathematical, but she explained it in a way that I understood and I wanted to listen at that point. So it all made sense. And I went back to my accountant and I said, right, I need to. Just go back to being a sole trader. I need a, this sole trader QuickBooks and I need to do exactly the process that she's just shown me and take control of my bookkeeping, sitting down for a day each month and actually looking what is going out of my business, what is coming in and actually saving the right amounts for you know tax and things like that. So it was a combination of really hitting a peak of how much my business and my own self could withstand with how bad money I was being And also having that support network of people saying, "Okay, now you need to sit down and just look at a way that's going to work for you and then taking back that control. So that's kind of the messy, (laughs) long version of that story. But ever since that, I have, you know, I've got a, a separate kind of business bank account, if you like. But I've always been using QuickBooks since then to regularly check in each month what is actually happening. And I'll check in, you know, throughout the month as well. And just see what's actually happening. And that has helped so, so much.
0: Mm, and that's so valuable that you had, you know, people like Olivia there who could show you what was possible. Because I know with my story, something that I found stopped me from really admitting that I was having a problem is that I didn't think it was possible for things to feel better. I think I just thought like, well, I'm just bad with money and this is what it's always going to look like. And, you know, it will always be messy. I remember one of the wake up calls for me was realizing how much money my business was making, but I didn't know where any of that money was going. My bank accounts didn't have it. So I was a bit like, well, I don't know where that's being spent. And I'm just, you know, using a credit card here and transferring money from there. And everything's just a little bit out of control. And I think it wasn't until I saw and heard how other people did their finances, like you were saying with seeing Olivia's QuickBooks, where you then go, oh, okay, there's another way to do this. You know, it doesn't have to be like this and it isn't an overnight change, but it is something that's possible. And it's just by taking those steps, you know, starting with admitting where you're at, then beginning to think about what kind of a model or system is going to help you. I'm a little bit different where my accountants do everything and that works for me as long as I'm constantly looking at my bank accounts Mm -hmm. and making sure that I do know what's going on. And then just beginning to, to put those steps into place. I don't know about you, but something that was really fundamental for me was splitting my personal and business expenses. I, up until pretty much up until probably the middle of 2019 still had them very much connected where even if I did have, say, a business bank account and a personal one, they were all in the same internet banking app. Nothing was ever quite set in stone. I wasn't paying myself a salary of any form. I was just moving money over when I needed it. And yeah. that was something that I thought was good. I was like, oh, it's really fluid. And, you know, there's no line <laughs> where I stop and the business starts because the business is me. But even at that point, as I was a sole trader and you can have the two together, it just wasn't helping me because I never quite knew, you know, is this money to, for me to invest in the business? Is this money for me to spend personally? Should I, Should I be saving this for a house deposit? You know, it was so yeah. unclear. And that moment where I went, okay, No. Let's split it up. Let's get a Starling account and let's get a business one and a personal one. And for me, part of that process as well was switching to limited, which worked for me for a lot of reasons. There's a whole podcast episode on limited versus sole trade. If when Anna was talking about that, you're interested to hear more. But again, that forced separation that that gave me was so helpful because it forced me to see myself personally and the business as two different entities financially and then treat them in different ways because they are different things and the way that i use money in my business is very different to how i use it personally is that something that have you always had them as separate is that something you did like i did i think yeah in? i
1: think i did i did separate them to start with which was you know that worked for me um having it kind of compartmentalized but something that really really helped me in terms of the thinking of it so separately and also Knowing what to do in terms of putting aside money for tax and stuff like that was the profit first book. And I can't yes. remember the name of the author, but Ooh, everyone knows this it book. right next
0: to me. Let me get it. It is by, I'm pretty sure he has a, yeah, can't pronounce it. A his really name complicated name. It's <laughs> by Mike, Michael O.
1: Wiz. Michael Oaks. Good effort. Yeah. <laughs> I'll link it in the show notes, people. <laughs> Honestly it's an absolute bible I think for uh, everyone talks about it all the time the basic concept is he talks you through how to separate your money in terms of putting aside money for tax but also putting aside a certain percentage for yourself as profit for your business because you know we all set up businesses so that we can have the life that we want and so Putting profit aside separately enables you to basically use it to reinvest. It enables you to give yourself a bonus or do whatever you like with it. But it's kind of like, this is why you've gone self-employed, because you want to have something like this that makes it actually a benefit rather than more stressful than being employed. So that's probably a terrible synopsis of it, but definitely go and check it out if you haven't. That book definitely made it really clear to me that, okay, I need to be putting 20 to 30% of tax into a savings pot I need to then be putting however much I want for profit so I do five percent of my profit goes into a little pot for me to then spend however I like and just having those separately has meant that when I do have a tax bill I know that I've got that money in fact I probably have more than enough because I've overestimated much i need to put into that pool each month so that's made it so much easier i think you mentioned before that you do that process as well
0: yes i am such an advocate for profit first i remember when i first read that book it was just a light bulb moment of like yes Mm -hmm. like i can manage my money in a way that feels intuitive and human i think for me that was one of my frustrations with my finances before is it felt so rigid And the way that I like to see my money is as something which is moving and flowing and something that yes, goes out of the business as I spend, but hey, then comes back and the money that I have in the business is allocated for different things. So that way of seeing money and seeing money that comes into the business and going, okay, this percentage of it is for this, this percentage is for that. And then having that money set aside was such a game changer. And now that's just part of my rhythm. The second that money comes in from Stripe, those different percentages go into my pots and darling, And then it just gives you peace of mind. I do not wake up in the middle of the night and think, have I got enough money for my tax bill? Cause I always have more than enough, which is the best thing ever. Cause then you just, Get to keep some money after bonus, (laughs) right? I'm like, I will have that. Thank you very much. And yeah, that book is a game changer. And there's actually a past episode on this podcast with my accountant where we talked about profit first. So if people kind of want an introduction to it, then again, I will link that episode in the show notes for people. Because yeah, I'm glad you're with me on it, Anna. I think it's such a revolutionary, if I'm allowed to be that dramatic
1: with it, way of looking at your finances. (laughs) And the thing that's made it so much easier as well, because I know you've been using Starling from the beginning. I've actually only just moved, literally in the last kind of month and a half, over to Starling because I was using HSBC before that. And on just the to add app... in, sorry, I only sorry, yeah. Starling at the start this year, so ah, I was okay. the same. I was with Nationwide and had a horrible time. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I've had a horrible time with HSBC. The, there is an app, um, and you can set up like separate savings accounts which enabled you to make a tax saving account and a profit saving account but i had a horrible time with them for various other reasons so i've moved over to starling now and honestly the app makes it so easy to just create these little pots and automatic kind of scheduling of percentages to go into each pot like you say so yeah definitely massive tip definitely check out you know banks like starling and monzo that give you that ability to control like pots and organizing your money much better than high street most high street banks at the moment
0: yeah because if not if you implement profit first when I did that with my traditional bank I think I had like nine bank accounts with Nationwide (laughs) because with profit first you put money into different pots it just became very complicated whereas in Starling and I believe a few others like Tide and Coconut and Monzo you can do that all within one account which makes it so much easier Definitely another financial fail that I've come across, especially in the last few years of running my business, has been around having a bit of a buffer in place financially. I don't know about you, but I'm a definite spend what I've got. That's why I like Profit First because it just gets the money out of my account that I'm not allowed to spend. But I will see what's left as money to invest in the business, You know, money that I can spend getting more team members or getting a coach or leveling up my systems, whatever it may be. And I've definitely had to learn over the years about how I should still be putting away a little bit of money, which is as a bit of a buffer and kind of, you know, for the months where maybe there is less income or where I want to take some time off. Has that been something that you've come across? Have you always put that kind of buffer in place or what does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, I think it's hard when you're starting out to obviously get to a place where you're making enough that you can give yourself that buffer. Like it's definitely a very nice, comfortable position to be in. And, Obviously, at the moment, what I usually suggest to people is starting with your pricing in terms of like giving yourself a buffer of, you know, savings or making sure that you've got enough money to pay yourself in quieter months. That kind of starts with, yeah, setting prices in your business and actually being really clear about your own goals, what you want to actually, you know, get out of your business in terms of paying yourself a salary, what you then need to incorporate in there for tax and for your profit and then working out your kind of minimum amount that you need to be making per month or per year and then working out from there kind of how much you actually need to be charging in your business for your services for your products what you actually need to be hitting in terms of your targets for that because I think it all does kind of start with actually charging the right price for what you do in order to hit those goals and give yourself a buffer, which I know when you're starting out in business is very hard because we all kind of go in there starting out and doing things for way less than we probably should be. So yeah, I would say kind of getting clear about your own goals of what you want to get out of your business and then extrapolating that into your actual prices is really, really important.
0: Yeah, and it's definitely something, as you have said, which is easier to do or maybe more of a priority as your business gets more established, because there was no way in those first few months and years that I was putting aside money for a buffer because I wasn't even, you know, making ends meet or being able to, you know, pay for the things which felt more essential in the business. But definitely as you're scaling, I think thinking about how you bring some longevity and sustainability into your finances is really important. You know, if this year has taught us anything, it's that anything can happen. Things can suddenly change that are outside of our control and not having to worry about finances as part of that change, I think is a real blessing when that does happen and definitely something I've learned around this is that it's small amounts is a good thing I think I often thought like oh I'm not going to put a buffer in place until I can save up three months of expenses because you hear that bashed around right of like you should have this many months saved up (laughs) and that's just not realistic often for my business you know right now I probably have two months expenses saved would I like that to be more absolutely but even if it's just a hundred or 200 pounds every month, just popping that extra money away, you know, when I don't have to spend all my tax money or maybe I've had a random refund in the business, popping that money aside, if I hadn't expected to have it anyway, it just helps that buffer to grow. You know, even if you make So it- do you
1: have that as a separate, sorry, do you have that as a separate pop then? I hadn't even thought of doing that. I'm not gonna lie.
0: Yeah, so I separate my profit and my buffer Because initially, I was using it as the same thing, like I would just chuck any extra money into my profit account. But then I found that I wasn't using my profit for what I wanted to, which for me is around, like investing in nice things for the business and maybe giving myself a bit more money or, you know, giving the team a bit of a treat. So yeah, it's part of my profit first, actually. So I do 20% to tax, 10% to profit, and then two and a half percent to buffer, So quite a small percentage, Um, really, but just pops that into that buffer account so that then when there are lower income months, I can just move that money back. And then on higher income months, so for example, with my recent launch, you know, I think in one week, like 15 grand came into the bank account, and that's not 15 grand that I need right now. So I would maybe put most of that into the buffer so that this month, next month and January, when I'm not making as much money because I'm delivering that launch, I can then move that back in as income, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I guess I'd never thought of just separating it from the normal kind of standard pot that's there. But it sounds like a good idea because then if you do just kind of get down to the the dregs of the normal pot, but if you're having a slow month, then yeah, you've got that and you don't have to use your profit pot for that. Yeah, like it's that. probably
0: something that I... I'm not saying everyone needs it but I definitely need it because if I see that I've got 2000 pounds in my main account I think you'll I spend it and that yeah. my brain doesn't go oh maybe we should keep a thousand of that for who knows what so yeah. and then it helps for me because if there are for example right now you know it's the fourth of the month I've just paid everyone's salaries I've just paid for a lot of my expenses so there's I think less than 100 pounds in my main styling account so I'm not going to go out and be like let's invest in stuff because that money isn't
1: there that doesn't mean the business only has £70, but it's forcing me to be a bit lean. Yeah, that's the benefit of something like styling, isn't it? That you can set it up how it works for you and your brain. Like if you know, okay, if I see the money in the main account there, I'm going to spend it. Then you can set up styling in a way that works for you, which is yeah, it's so good to have these flexible apps that just let you yeah manage your money in a way that yeah works for the way that you want.
0: Yeah, and the best way that you learn that is by doing. I would have never landed on this financial process by thinking of it. I just had to start having a go. And then I guess for both of us figuring out what system was going to support us. So rounding up this conversation, if you could leave people with maybe one final kind of tip that has really changed the game for you in terms of your finances, or maybe one thing that you really wish you could tell your past
1: self, what might it be? Yeah, so such a good point. And I'd know like we could literally talk about this forever, and we haven't even touched on things like, you know, savings and pensions and stuff. But that would be my tip is to no matter how young you are or no matter how old you are, you really need to think, especially if you're self-employed or you run a limited company or whatever your setup is really need to think about getting yourself set up with a pension if you haven't already. And I think the only reason why I managed to get my head around that was because I think I read some research somewhere about how women, once they reach pension age, have a third less pension savings than men, which is just crazy because typically women actually live longer than men as well. And there's a variety of reasons for that. And we haven't even gone into how females are typically less likely to be good at managing their money and stuff like that. But that piece of data, I was like, okay, that's crazy. I need to get sorted with this. And once you've got one set up, it's just, and you've got like a regular system where you have money going into it each month, then it's just so nice to know that you're actually going to be covered when you're older and actually going to have some savings and be able to live. So Yeah, definitely look into pensions. I've got one set up with Nest, which I believe is the UK kind of government backed ones, but there's loads of other private options too. And you can have as many as you want, really. So yeah, that's something to look into. It is a complicated thing, though. So definitely give yourself a financial coffee date to sit down with and go through it. But definitely something you need to be thinking about as self-employed.
0: People. Yes, you actually stole my one. So I'm glad. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> no, it's good. Hammering home the point. They're not glamorous, are they? But so, so needed. And they just give you that peace of mind. You know, I'm not putting mad amounts into my pension right now, but just chipping away at adding to that pot, you then just know your finances aren't just working for you now, but they're also doing something to help your future self. And I think the sooner you can set that up, you know, it's never going to be a negative, is it? Saving more money for your future self definitely a positive thing to put in place and like you said with this topic we could take it in so many more directions but hopefully just us admitting a little bit of what our financial fails have looked like will encourage other people to feel less shameful about any that they might have and realize that really just the way to getting in a good financial position is by admitting where you're at taking that action and then learning as much as you can as well I think don't be afraid to ask your friends who run businesses like do you struggle Definitely. What are your tips for that? Because I would bet they're going to breathe a sigh of relief when you bring up the topic because they're like, oh, you can finally talk about money. Thank you. So I will link both Nest and Penfold, which is the pension provider that I use in the show notes so people can check those out. So trying to think of what my tip would be if it's not going to be a pension would probably be around paying yourself. I have been yes. on a real journey with this in my business. And in the first few years, I paid myself very minimally because I wanted to reinvest my money into the business. And I didn't, you know, I lived at home, so I didn't have many expenses. But just paying yourself something from day one, I think is really vital. I regret not paying myself from day one because it then grew a business that wasn't actually a proper business because it couldn't pay me. I was paying mm-hmm. more than I was paying myself. So then when it came to me wanting to move out or get a better car or, you know, just up my expenses or just have more money personally, that actually took quite a lot of work because I built a business that relied on me not really being paid very much. So I'd say from day one, no matter how much you're making from the business, make that a priority, you know, even if yeah, so out, just making paying yourself part of the needs that your business has to meet and not seeing it as optional. You know, I've got a client where she I think literally at the moment is just paying herself 50 pounds a week, and just every week she just pops up herself 50 pounds. and it's not that that's all she needs to survive. I'm pretty sure she has other income streams, but you just want to make sure that's kind of part of your expenses from the very beginning, so that then as you scale that, whether that's because you need and want more money or because the business is making more, it's then not so much of a process to put that in place I definitely shot myself in the foot by being a bit of a martyr of like I don't need it and then it was a real headache to try and change my business to pay myself when yeah it hadn't done that before Such so a good point. separate your finances and then make sure you're paying yourself and I like weekly pay don't know about you Anna I quite like a bit of a weekly week oh. just feels a bit more
1: exciting than the monthly you know i would never never considered it but yeah fine <laughs> <laughs> I guess I I I don't know. I like the big
0: chunks I think. fair enough. That's just you like the big numbers. No, <laughs> I like that. Well, I think we've proven in this episode finances they're such a personal thing. That doesn't mean it has to be yeah. taboo, but it does mean that you should give yourself permission to figure out what your financial process is going to look like that works for you. And hopefully we've given people a bit of inspiration by sharing our process. So, thanks for being so honest, I Anna. Absolutely. And I'd really <laughs> encourage people to go and listen not just to our episode on your podcast, but your content as a whole because I think surrounding yourself with people who are starting these very honest conversations and showing you what it's really like just makes that process of running a business
1: so much easier. So thank you for being a part of this. Oh, thank you so much for having me and for always being honest and transparent yourself as well. It's it's so good to hear. Nice to know we're all here for the same cause, right? Exactly. I love it.